0: And welcome to another episode of the Firebill Turn Up For What podcast. We'll be looking back on last week's decision that shook the foundations of NRG Stadium to its very core as Nuke Hopkins leaves H-Town for Arizona. We'll take a look around the league at free agency as we're saying where's the league heading in these crazy times. Welcome in to another episode of the Turn Up for What podcast. Talking, texting straight from the Great British Isles. We've got a bit of outside perspective to try and help us go through last week. We had an emergency podcast straight out to you. Uh, There's been a bit of time to reflect. I don't think much seems very different since then. Uh, But bringing in Mark, how you doing, mate? I'm doing
1: very well. Thank you very much. Excellent, Mark. Everything
0: with you? Yeah, I will. It could be better. We're bringing in Mark, uh, we've talked about doing this for a while um, and not uh, managed to get some dates so we're all stuck indoors as, uh, as the COVID-19 grips us a bit more by the day and uh, here we are going to talk talk some Texans free agents. So from not a purely Texas man but perhaps sympathetic uh, towards the cause, what was your uh, thoughts subsequently or at the time and
1: then subsequently looking at this Hopkins move? Yeah, I'm sure you've uh, you're pretty close to tears even talking about it now, but certainly the feel is that when you draft someone like Hopkins and you make him into the superstar he is, you don't just let him out the door for anything less than a king's ransom. And I didn't really think running back was a major problem for you guys last year. Um, but to, to get the kind of draft return that you did and just David Johnson uh, seems bonkers. And I, I guess you and I have kind of spoken offline on it and really the mind boggles at the amount of power that Bill O'Brien's got and, um, and how he's played himself into that position. But I mean, there must be something that other other than, you know, just purely purely funds that he's, that he's looking at and, and making the move, but it was a surprising one to me.
0: Well, that's it. This has been nine months in the making now. Brian Gain gets fired. Cal McNair takes over from his, his his father, Bob. God rest his soul. Let's Bill basically run the show. Pushes everybody out. So he pushes Brian Gain out. And all the moves that he made last season, you know, people laughed. And it was kind of a point of view of, well, you know he's trying to make up for previous mistakes. So within that context, it looked like he was making a lot of moves, looked a bit rash in isolation, but, you know, you can see the reasons why, you know, didn't get a tackling free agency, signed a couple of, you know, guys through the draft, but they weren't necessarily day one polished prospects, had to go out, big trade for a ton, So got Stills in there, Stills kind of play kind of sort of, you know, sort of helped that the view of that trade, but it was still overpaid. But if that's the move you make, You're making these moves to win now. And what about win now is trade your best player. And Hopkins was this team's best player last season. That's not I don't think anybody that watched this team. It wasn't J.J. Watt. It's not been for a long time. It wasn't Deshaun Watson. Because he's still inconsistent. The best player was DeAndre Hopkins and yeah you're right it's uh, it's tough and I think you touched on the compensation there and you, know, you, said, you used the phrase King's Ransom and it, you know I think within the context of Stefan Diggs with Haydenhurst which was almost identical actually uh, for a third mm-hmm. choice tight end on a team yeah it's really tough and the compensation it just you know we talked, I talked about this with, with our, our friend for the Texas Unfiltered podcast last week we did an emergency one and we didn't actually expect to be talking about it it came out Um, And we had to sort of deal with it in the moment. Um, But it just feels like, and the sentiment online now is this guy's got to go. Now, I don't think he will until he has, you know, a number of losses racked up in the loss column. Um, But the damage of a player, losing a player like this, psychologically,
1: culturally in a locker room, is just massive. It really is. And I th- and I think you know you you've got a young QB in there who's who's got all the ability in the world and could be one of the best in the league. And you take away, and it's not a safety blanket because that's not doing um, doing justice to to Hopkins. You know, you take away his best weapon, and like I say, one of the best wide receivers in the league. And you know how how does that make Watson feel? You know, you 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 bring in someone like Randall Cobb who he's serviceable, he'll be fine, he'll be okay in the slot and he'll pick up a lot of the targets, you know, probably catch 60 next year, you know, without breaking sweat. But to really have someone on offence where the opposition have got to lock down on, so it's going to bring loads of space for other people in there because I just, yeah, I don't see it. You know, Stills Stills is fine, he's got wheels, but who else is there? Is, is Kuti going to be the guy or you Are going to just hope for the draft? I I just don't
0: know. Yeah, I think as well, to pick, to pick up a first-round receiver, well, it's not going to be, it's going to be 40th overall. It should have been a first round. I think, you know, just, just before we go for the compensation, I think the compensation should have been the 8th overall and the 40th overall, plus maybe something, plus a token player thrown in, and we'll consider mm. it. Um, what he's given up, it just looks like, you know, we used the word last week on the pod "fleeced," and I think that's exactly what it is. It just looks like it looks like a con job, and then you see the, the the some of the commentary and a quote from a front office exec saying there was laughter in the room when they saw it, and it's an overriding sense of embarrassment, really. I think you know to be in this situation when it was when now big moves to do this. Is ridiculous, uh, and the timing of it makes no sense. I think just from a purely logistical point of view, California is now currently in lockdown with a mm. pandemic that we're getting across the world, and Hopkins can't even go there to take the medical. So, <laughs> so, so, so why now? Uh, you know, and you feel sorry for David Johnson as well. You know, okay, he had a phenomenal year, twenty sixteen. Never quite a lot of injuries, and you know, and you see every, the, you see the only thing that I think Texans fans are unified on that Bill O'Brien's time is up is that there's a hope, and this is no way a reflection of David Johnson of who he is, his character, but he possibly fails the medical and we get some more draft capital out of it. Because, <laughs> because nah. with the, you touched on the Randall Cobb signing, and we'll, and we'll pick that up next week um, as we go into a bit more in-depth in the Texans signings and all particularly underwhelming and egregious overpay for a, <laughs> you know, a, a 30-year-old receiver. Uh, when you've got Kiki QT, who's shown he's got talent, but again, it's not necessarily Kiki QT's talent. It's Bill O'Brien, and Bill O'Brien made this personal. And I don't know what you thought, Mark, about the the comments of Michael Irvin about the baby mamas and, and yeah,
1: I, I mean that the Aaron
0: Hernandez reference. I just thought that was just terrible, terrible optics.
1: Yeah, and and I think that's I think you've nailed it there with optics. I, I'm a big believer in sort of it's not just what you're saying um because they you know Bill O'Brien might honestly believe uh, in some of the things he's putting across but it's how it's going to be perceived um and yeah for a guy that's been a, an absolutely solid pro is one of, as well as one of the best uh, in the NFL at his position uh, to have to deal with kind of comments like that you just think, is it the right thing to be saying? Do you need to say it at all? And um, yeah, I reckon that you'd be you'd be within your rights to be cheesed off with comments like that from your boss. So, um, as you say, it, it becomes a personal issue beyond the professional, and that's
0: that's not how you want to do business. But then you think as well, and you see this like in your career and whatever you know workplace you do, or you're a part of. You see people in roles who are inexperienced, shouldn't, you know, probably have been given more responsibility than they should have. And what they have then is a, an overzealousness to jump to the end result. They've got no measure or experience to go through the steps, to understand the steps and how that and how those steps and the decisions you make at the different points then impact other parts of a process. And that just screams true with Bill O'Brien to me. Um I don't know if you've seen the freezing tate or the cold, cold freezing cold takes exposed or something like that. I, anyway, I got picked up on a tweet. <laughs> I had a hundred and fourteen thousand impressions uh, on this one tweet um, that they'd retweeted. Uh, that you know, I said, whatever you do, don't let your mind wander. The Texans wouldn't do this when you know Bill Belichick came after Hopkins in in the uh, the season where where he was pissed off and the when the. Uh, under Osweiler there was no chemistry there he wasn't seeing the ball they didn't accept it then why would they accept it now you know and that's still true but then I also said the day after I said don't ever underestimate somebody who is wallowing in their sense of self-importance but has also got a toxic level of confidence about them that is harmful to others and this was purely down to those two guys butted heads over a number of years and the utter pish that they've put out in the media about he wanted more money. Now, it's been it's been made very clear, I think, from the Hopkins camp, at no point did he ask for more money. He merely said, I feel I've outplayed my deal. Um, which, okay, you're inferring you want more money, but he had outplayed his deal. And he was only two years into a five-year deal, uh, you know. And... It's it's just it's just heartbreaking, I think, and just the overwhelming sense of embarrassment that you got yourself to a point that many teams want to be in, that you're almost on the cusp of being challenging. Now, you know, there, now, there was a lot to be done on the de- defence, which we didn't sign anybody in free agency. And this move just sets you back, and that's now two seasons back-to-back that O'Brien has let walk out the building... No first round picks involved. But he sent two first and a second out. But he's let Jadavian Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins teams go decades without drafting players even close to the calibre of that. And he's let them go out in two consecutive seasons. And that just puts your team on a talent downward trajectory. Uh, but also a belief in the locker room because you know that the, there's a makeup of players, some are, you know, some are stars and you pay those stars because you keep them in the building. But without, you know, with the absence of stars, and you saw that on the defence with Hopkins, uh, with, uh, without Jadavian clowning last year, there was a big, you know, a big role he played in moving around the front seven, lining up at different spots, gave them so much, so many, you know, versi- so much versatility in the different ways that, you know, they set up, uh, you know, that front seven. And Hopkins is exactly the same. He played an almost identical role. So this, you know, this clown is, is taken... Two of the best players that you know that any team could hope to draft for. He Hopkins was later on; he fell because he didn't run a fast forty. Jadavian was number one overall pick. Yeah. I mean, you just think like you know, leading the, leading the league in um, receptions or yards or touchdowns or whatever it might be. He's never been anywhere less than. the percentage, everything. You know, yeah. he's a he's a complete receiver. That's it, and I think it's as you and you said earlier, it's a bit like he's not there. He's not there for you know watson to, to find and you know longer term could that be a benefit because he's less reliant on him then yeah could it make us more diverse yeah but you know there is no reason there is no tangible reason how how the team can spin this the johnson cap hit plus the randall cobb is the same which hopkins will make plus whatever todd Gurley was signed for in atlanta mm. so you know it's no benefit on the
1: cap It's I- it's shown that you, you, t- you touch on Atlanta there, and I, I, I jotted down when we were, we were talking about this one. Um, you know, Julio Jones is the one, you, you, it's an easy comparison with Hopkins, um, you know, best in class very much. You, you look at these guys and Julio was drafted by Atlanta, developed by Atlanta, brilliant connection with his quarterback. They made a Super Bowl out of it. It almost feels as if the Texans kind of cashed in their chips a little bit beforehand and then went out when they were they were down. So uh, the, the return doesn't add up in my mind. It's a homegrown player that you're getting rid of. It, it, yeah, it's, it's a dull one. I, I completely feel for you um, because it's, uh, as you say, it's a kind of heartbreaking one when you, you see one of your own that you've really sort of well drafted and developed. That's the, the key to success. It's only the key to success if you don't bin them too early. And uh, it very much feels that
0: way. Yeah, and I think uh,
1: we started the podcast
0: last week, and I just said it feels like he's gone too far this time, and I think that's exactly what he's done. Every single message that the team puts out, it's you know, it's filled by fifty, sixty plus messages of fire, Bill O'Brien, and I'm not ever one to really read into the fan base, and yep. you know, I w- I was at a game this year where the tailgate was empty because people had had enough of him at that point. Mm-hmm. He managed to turn around the season. It had an acrimonious, you know, historical falter in the playoffs. That should have been it. It should have been it in Watson's rookie year, you know. And we've always kind of defended him, but he's he's just continued to get more and more power for no discernible reason. He's not justified that power. Now he gets a position where it's all on him 100%, and this is the move he makes, I think. It's just... It's unforgivable the return, but I think as well it's just the optics that he or the you know the lens that he puts on himself and yeah, is he going to get another job after Houston? I don't think any fan base would welcome him. Well, you know as a as a head coach because he's shown he's disruptive. He can't get on with GMs. He's not shown he's a particularly you know wonderful play caller or or, uh, or head coach. So he's done himself just as much damage I think as as anybody um, as anything else. Am
1: I not right in thinking that he was uh, he was orchestrating the great QB carousel when they were getting hired and fired in the same moment on Hard Knocks or one of those series as well before Deshaun was along? So yeah. yeah, yeah, and
0: I think that goes back to the Hopkins point. If he's had a lot of lean years with some poor guys under center, and not even three full seasons with Deshaun and he's and he gets shipped out, and you got a feel from always liked him, he's not necessarily your most you know, atypical foo- football player. He's got interest in fashion. He's, he's, you know, he's relatively softly spoken. He's, he, you know, he's not a big character in in the tr- in the sort of traditional sense. But the influence on the locker room, the c- quality of player he was, you can't replace that. And if we think we're going to replace him with the fortieth overall pick, or we're going to replace him with Randall Cobb, who's basically coming in to take Kiki QT's touches away until he can find himself. But I don't think you'll get the chance now.
1: And, then- I, and I, str- I struggle to see the 40th pick going on on a wide receiver. You know, I appreciate it's a, a deep class, but, I, and, you know, we'll, we'll come on to a, a team with, you know, similar delusions when you're talking about just being one position away. I don't think necessarily wide receiver is the, the one spot you'd think the Texans need to improve on. It's now another one they need to improve on. Secondary is a big a big one for you guys, and you've not managed to to, to fill the hole in the last couple of years. Did I see that Hargreaves has come back in? Yeah, they've taken him on a one-year deal. I've not seen the
0: details of it yet. Right, yeah. um, he's come back yeah, on a so- one-year deal, which was which was fair enough. He, I think, I think you know, th- you know, we'll move on from the the the. The Hopkins debacle and we can, and and I think it's you know it's it's just I think it's come to a point now where anything less you know anything but a flawless season which is not going to be possible with the offense we've got left and the defense we've got left is 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 not going to happen. But yeah, Hargreaves is back in a one year deal. You think Eric Murray? I didn't even know who he was. I had to Google him. Mm-hmm. Uh Randall Cobb. He's been around the league a long time and a couple of good years with Aaron Rodgers we didn't address the pass rush. Okay, we brought back Bradley Roby and what was actually, um, yeah, yeah, which was a good deal, Um, you know, and it was an incentive laden deal uh, and you thought it seemed like it was starting off well for agency. Yeah. Uh, We've, we've signed a guy on a one year deal from the Jets uh, at offensive line, which does not necessarily give you any hope because (laughs) they've just splashed out, you know, you know, serious amounts of money on your second rate players. So he wasn't good enough there. Um, and uh, Jalen Watkins comes over from the Chargers, and yeah, yeah, we'll we'll go and get this again next week as we've got some, as we've got these offs, you know, this gap between the draft to fill. But yeah, I think overall, I don't think there's a team that's had a worse free agency period than us. But it didn't need to be that way. The, these decisions that have been made did not need to happen now.
1: Yeah, Hopkins, you know, is nothing to do with free agency. That's the bonkers bit. You know, it's. It's a trade, and it's years before its time, and yeah, it's it's painful to be a loser in the free agency stakes when he wasn't even a free agent. And even if David Johnson leads the league in
0: touchdowns, you know, and has a thousand yards through there and a thousand yards on the ground or whatever it might be, season, this trade is still bollocks. You know, (laughs) under any circumstance, this trade will not find a way that you can see, oh, I can see what he was trying to do. Now, I get Bill O'Brien comes from, you know, a system where he was with Brady that he seems to hold dear to his CV because he's going to need that hopefully after this season. But the wide receiver position is not necessarily valued as highly as it is elsewhere. But, you know, some of the best years or, you know, it was a short time, but, you know, you, you constantly reminded of when randy moss went to new england and the difference that made on that offense so can you carry that many superstars and pay them all like superstars no you can't pay them all you're under a salary cap but guys like that find a way it didn't need to happen now it didn't even have to happen next season just like it didn't have to happen that you've seen multiple people around the league of of tags players and are happy to tag them but with J- and Clowney, they tagged them for whatever reason weren't happy didn't turn up the training camp and it comes down to one man's emotions not being able to handle them in an appropriate manner and then makes decisions that hurt the football team and that's the thing that I think upsets fans the most is he continually reiterates the the rhetoric of we're always going to do what's best for the team and this definitely wasn't what was best for the team and there is only one option that I think that will see progress for this team and unfortunately it's going to mean a burn Jira Watson's career but hopefully for the greater good this guy is not in Kirby drive after this season because this move is just unforgivable on every circumstance and it's just embarrassing. Uh, and I think that's that's the trouble. It's just embarrassing. Um, particularly when you see the Hayden-Hurst trade and then the Stefan Diggs on the same day. First round pick.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 I rate Diggs, um, but he was a kind of was he a true number one uh, with the Vikes? I think him and the probably split split number one duties. And, uh, yeah, who would you rather? Um, you've got a, a choice, Hopkins or, or Diggs. You'd take Hopkins, you know, 10 times out of 10, I think. Um, personal opinion, of course. But, um, and, yeah, for him to go for a first round pick, you, you know, you, you've seen Sammy Watkins, you've seen Brandon Cooks. These guys have gone for huge, huge returns. And um, you know, I'd take Hopkins over Watkins. I'd take Hopkins over. I mean, <laughs> Cooks is an absolute no contest. So, yeah, it, it just yeah, my, my heart bleeds for you.
0: It could well go down as one of the worst trades of sp- sporting history. It's that bad. Um, the only way it can't be as bad is if Hopkins' career, you know, doesn't. You know, he's, he doesn't necessarily see the, see the next three or four years of his prime like he's probably scheduled to do. Yeah, but you Play wouldn't it. even
1: wish that on him. You know, no. he's he's been a, a great troop for the Texans, and he's he's been an absolute credit credit to the position and the team. And yeah, it's a it's a shame to see him go. Yeah,
0: and um, yeah, we'll move on. I think we hopefully um, we don't have to talk about. You know, we won't be talking about Hopkins, and hopefully we don't have to talk about this man in charge that much longer but we'll have a look around the league and people that are potentially making moves to try and get their football team in a position to win in 2020 i think the biggest trade uh the forest buckner at the colts first round pick 13th overall i believe um potentially falls to uh kin law Derek brown if he falls from auburn that far um, mm. absence of picks for the 49ers seems like a decent move
1: yeah, and uh, you know, it's it, for the Niners. It was always going to be one of the one of the two free agent D linemen um, So they've they've kept a hold of of Armstead, um, probably a little bit less flexible in position uh, than than Buckner. But you know, that's that's the choice you have to make. Uh, they managed to keep hold of Jimmy Ward, which again was looking unlikely. So the the Niners seem to have done well. And as you say, they get their their draft pick. Uh, the Colts, I guess you know, the, along with with Buckner, you've got Philip Rivers in the building as well. So that that's going to be really interesting to see how uh, what he's got left in the tank. And yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, with it being a divisional rival.
0: Yeah, I think the Forest Buckner. I, I think he's probably one of these guys that as many defensive tackles. He's certainly been paid like a star. There was a quite a heavy rotation and quite a deep unit on the yeah. play They play an even front. Um, you saw that in the Super Bowl, you saw that, you know, most of the last season if you watched them, you know, the guys, I think they needed presence on the edge to allow the guys in the interior to, to you know, to not be as, as clogged up by, you know, an extra an extra guard or, or the centre moving over to kind of double team them but they, they couldn't do that this year. We both saw on the outside and obviously a D4 as well so mm. it spread out the five blockers, brought another one, you know, had to bring an extra, you know, tight end or lineman in to, to try and contain what was probably the best front in football, so you were never going to keep them all together. You never do particularly when you get to a Super Bowl. But yeah, I think it's probably a concern. I think um, Buckner. I think you know they're a good unit. The Colts already. There's definitely a feeling that they can win. Is Philip Rivers going to do that? I think he's. I don't know. He's a character, and he's 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 been. Uh, he's been doing it for a long time. It's a one-year deal. Will he be there in a year's time? I don't know. I think it. I think it said more about the Colts front office view on this year's quarterbacks probably more than it did um, on Philip Rivers. I think it's a similar system, so the hope is that he'll come over. He's worked with Frank Reich before, so he comes over and and potentially makes some makes some plays for them and keeps them uh, keeps them moving the ball when which is an offense that's based around the run. So, is it an upgrade on Brissette? I don't think Brissett was fully healthy last year, so it's probably unfair to judge him in his first full year as a starter. But yeah, I think he's 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 uh, he's got the potential if he can if he can be held you know held up by the line in a run game, and he just needs to do you know in somewhere in the region of, you know to to fifteen to twenty five throws max a game, probably suits him, and he's he he, he can sort of set him up for success at the line. I think the so we'll see in the division as we said not a lot of football is necessarily won and and, won and lost in March apart from our own example but <laughs> yeah. one I was quite surprised it was that only a third and a fifth round pick for Darius Slay from, to the Eagles I thought that was a reasonably
1: Yeah my, priced trade my, my brother's a big fan of the Eagles and um, that, it's most unlike the Eagles to kind of swing, on miss, swing and miss in a couple of trades missed out on a couple of guys at the trade deadline and um, obviously, they were they were looking uh, at Byron Jones, uh, who ended up uh, down with the Dolphins um, this summer. So I, I think the move firstly, and it's another ex-Patriots coach. Um, he'd obviously fallen out of favour with Patricia, and you've you've seen some of the personal stuff coming out there. So maybe there's a running theme, but um, I, I think. Darius Lee's still got plenty in the tank at at 30 years old. You're not overpaying. I think the Eagles are still left with quite a lot of picks in the bank as well. So, uh, you know, to to trade probably one of the 10 best corners, You've got to probably say, um, and you're not denuding yourself a first round picks, even second round picks. I think it's a good bit of business, and you know if you only get two years out of them, then great. But um it was obviously a position they needed to improve on, and um they've definitely done that. You know they've got Ronald Darby, who's a free agent this year. If they don't bring him back, is Slay better than Darby? Yeah, and um, you know that's that's just part and parcel of the NFL. So. Um I think that's a great move by the Eagles and um we'll wait and see how he does. Um but it, it gives them a top tier cornerback which they've not had in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think it
0: well you reset the market again. Um so Byron Jones uh gets picked up by Miami, um and in a in a big deal. Um as Miami spent a lot of money and as as they were expected to just with yep. the cap the cap space they had. But you know, you, you know, Slay reset the market. It was only a three-year deal, but he was he he was paid as the best corner in the game, Byron Jones, and then James Bradbury. goes to the Giants as well, and uh, and resets the market. I think based on the Truman Johnsons of this world, Janoris Jenkins deals that have mm-hmm. been handed out. I think at least one of those has got to be a a bust because I think if a corner is allowed to leave a team, where it's probably the fourth most important position on a on a team, I'll. I, I can't see many of these working out in the truest sense of of being a great a great free agent acquisition at those prices.
1: And you're bang on, you know, you you talk about the two guys in New York and they're both flaming out pretty pretty badly just now. Um and the Eagles have got fairly recent history with Namde Asimoa and uh Dominique Rogers cromartie as well. So they've they've swung pretty hard at free agent cornerbacks previously. Hopefully with the picking up Slay in a trade will it'll make it a wee bit different for them. But yeah, let's you know let's see Byron Jones and let's see a couple of these other guys. But um yeah. I mean Byron Jones is going in alongside Xavier Howard, so it's not you know all pressure on him being Revis like, but yeah, let's wait and see. As you say, there's there's too many of these guys that are getting let go, um, and it must be for for one reason or the other. So,
0: yeah, and I think Miami have quite easily got the contention or the ability to claim of having the two best corners or corner pairing in the game. I think previously that was held by in Jacksonville, um, as their sort of defense is is, is eroded. You've seen mm. Calais Campbell be traded for a late round pick. Um, to the Ravens A.G. Boye uh, who was the second piece of, of, of that next to Jalen Ramsey he's been traded to to Denver uh, mm-hmm. um, prior to this all kicking off so yeah I think you can you can you can see uh, a, a team that if you don't get it right at corner and if you don't get it right at Rusher, as none Rusher and none of the edge Rushers hit the market this year because teams just tag them and don't let them out the building Yeah, if you can't get it right at those two and you can't get it right at offensive line you're not know, going to have a very good football team. So, yeah, I mean, you can see why people are giving these contracts out to these guys. And it's interesting um, to do it. And similarly, with the defensive line resetting the market again, DJ Reader, another one, another sore one from the Texas. Now, we're never yeah. going to be able to pay him about the money. He gets Javon Hargreef, um resets the market the day before. Um, and then DJ Reader gets $13 million and a half a season in Cincinnati.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's got to go to Cincinnati, so there's got to be some danger money there. But you never know what they're going to do next year. Um, obviously, they'll have a, a new quarterback. You'd expect them to go at, at number one in the draft. But um, yes, yeah, uh, yeah. As you, see, Javon Hargrave was a, a surprising one, and the Eagles laying out a lot of money there for uh, a guy on the on the D line where they're where they're very very strong already. You know, they keep the lines. Um, Pretty full, um, with really, really sort of high-end players. Uh, and they've lost a couple over the, <laughs> the last couple of years, but, um, yeah, putting that amount of money out for Hargreave was punchy. Um, but yeah, let's see how that one works out as well. Reader, reader, as you say, uh, he, he was going to be due a payday, and um, you can't pay them all. That's right, and I think as well the, the looking at the the guys who are expected
0: to get the money. Um, but not many got the chance to hit the market. Most of the the edge rushers being tagged or the or the interior rushers and, and Chris Jones, Bud Dupree, um, all all these, you know, all these guys, Yannick and are tagged because people just don't want to let them let them go, uh and hit the and hit the market. One guy, again another Texan, uh that we talked about before, who's not quite found these uh not found a a, a team that's willing to pay him the money, which again, just goes back to the point earlier. If you still could have had him under the tag this season and told him to crack on with it, uh, is, is, uh, and the net effect that's actually been the outcome for Genevieve and he's, and he's, uh, in his agency is nil and actually probably would have got more money than he did well he, he got the tag money last year he probably could got the, get the tag again this year and be paid more than teams are willing to pay him it looks like he might go back to seattle the as his market dries up nobody's willing yeah. to give him the multi-year 50 million you know uh, sorry 20 million plus deal that he's looking for uh where do you where do you see well one why do you think his market's dried up and two where do you see him going <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you, you, you really do see in the last couple of drafts, you know, really, really significant draft capital being spent on your edge rushers. And that's what you've said, you know, you build your team around that. And um, whether people think they can get good D linemen or whether the very, very best teams have decided that they've, they're pretty well set when you look at someone like the Niners. You know they've they've spent an awful lot on their D line over the last five years. You know it's something is it five first round picks that are on on well that were on that on that D line? Clowney for me feels as if it's going to be back to the Seahawks. I, I, you know I I obviously know nothing, but um you know for for someone like Pete Carroll, I think he obviously rates some. Schneider obviously has a figure in mind and. They've kind of said to Clowney, "Look, we love you, but if you can go and get more money elsewhere, then crack on." And yeah, I just, I just wonder if it's the wrong year for him to be out in free agency because I think a couple of folks that might have been in the market have now managed to plug holes, and they're already outlaying a significant amount of salary cap. So to to be able to have you know two players accounting for forty million dollars on your on your D line is you know, it's asking a lot. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do get a sneaky feeling he could end up back at the Seahawks. I'm surprised actually
0: because yep. it's not a strong draft for Ed Rushers. Apart, you've got Chase Young at the top, and then after that, you've got Gross Matos from Penn State. You've got A.J. Epinesa from from Iowa. And bar that, there's not, you know, and then there's some later guys, uh, yep. Brad and E from Utah, and things like that. They, you know, they are. They are they're good players. You got the, you've you've got the the guy. The name escapes me now from Notre Dame. But they they they've got. It's not a big, premier talent, edge rusher class, and um, and it's almost like it's been shown right across the league now. I think Jadavian's big issue is it's an injury history that concerns teams, yeah. and that's why they've not paid him. Uh, but if you look at the deals handed out, um, Dante Fowler goes to the Falcons um vic beasley and we'll come on to that at the end a mm-hmm. um, bit of a, a sort of uh conflict of interest with that contract getting handed <laughs> out leonard Floyd goes to rams for 13 million despite them being in cap hell mm-hmm. or close to it i think that probably just gives you an indication those three deals on their own about where the league feels about this year's draft class um and the edge rushers that did hit the market in the end
1: yeah, because you know, you look at who else is left in the market on the D line. It's really Everson Griffin that you'd think has had really good production from uh, defensive end, and um, I, I think he's he, he's good, and I uh, probably think he's a little bit underrated. He's got his his, his own baggage that teams will probably be thinking whether um, to take the risk on on paying him. But someone like Clowney is that little bit younger and you know the the ceiling is yet to be reached and all that kind of stuff and you just think there there must be teams out there that really want to get a difference maker there and yeah he's not he's maybe not going to play every single defensive snap in a game but he's, he's going to play the important ones and he's going to make important plays so yeah it'll be an interesting one to see where he ends up
0: Yeah, it seems an odd one, really. I think, obviously, if Yannick Ngokwe is still going to be there, it looked like they want to trade him, but I don't know if anybody's Mm. willing to meet their price. Um, But, yeah, there's not a huge amount of guys that hit the market. I think a couple of teams that I noted down, I thought it did well. Um, Saints, I know Malcolm Jenkins passed his best, but... Bringing him into that secondary's got talent players there, but they probably just need a bit of guidance in that room. I think that's a, a yep. big a big one as well. bringing in Emmanuel Sanders as well as a is yeah. a as the wide receiver number two. That's been a role that they've not managed to fill. So I think there's a big a big opportunity there for them to you know to you know to, 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 you know, to it's probably one of the most creative offenses in the league, and to give that extra option, um, and they're in a sort of wily veteran. I know Ted Ginn's kind of left the building and not been re-signed. He might well come back, but um, you know, based on the based on the uh, those two pickups, I think that places them well. Obviously, Drew Brees was re-signed, but nobody didn't expected any less. I think the Chargers as well bringing in Chris Harris Jr. to come into that backfield. Um, with Darwin James, I think it's going to be really interesting. It was only a two-year, uh, twenty million deal. Um, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if he turned more money down from other teams. But I think that seems like a good fit and opportunity to be a good secondary as well. They bring in Linval jo- Joseph, who was released by the Vikings, mm. and he's going to provide them some, you know, a bit of grit up front. And then they struggled at offensive line. It's supposedly uh, going to be Tyrod Taylor, but I, I'll see. You know, being in the the sixth pick i think they've got overall uh they yeah. bring in brian balaga from from green bay um aging tackles is one to watch but i think he's probably you know but we saw that with andrew whitworth when he left cincinnati to go into the rams and a job he's done he's been re-signed again so yeah. uh brian brian beluga comes in there um and a couple of the a couple of the, the deals that, st- that stood out to me um that i thought were a bit questionable obviously bar I think Randall Cobb was probably up there with him, but um but I think but, but certainly uh Jimmy Graham getting a two-year uh sixty mil deal, deal in Chicago I thought was pretty rich considering yeah. what he's done. Yeah, um, Bears
1: Bears haven't had a great offseason, if I'm honest.
0: Yeah, that seemed a bit of a funny one. Uh and they also handed out a five year seventy mil deal to Robert Quinn. Now Robert Quinn's not actually as old as you think he is, but he but he's been around a while. Uh so I don't know where that's going to be. Uh, Detroit uh, handing out the a deal to $50 million to Vitae from the Eagles, uh, which I thought and was... And straight to
1: anyone that's ever played for the Patriots. Uh,
0: yes, yeah, so I thought that was quite a weird one. Traded uh, for Deron Harmon as well. Uh, that sure. was an interesting one. The Browns is, of course, over-hopeful spending money, uh, like it's going to fashion. Austin Hooper, $44 million, Over four years now, the highest-paid tight end in the league as well. I thought that was... Uh, bonkers probably yep. his play didn't necessarily justify the fight you know in Atlanta let him go so it was an interesting one do you have any more mar- you, you, you know? well
1: to be fair I was I was being a little bit uh, more lenient on the Browns Um I, I think we've probably been with with the chap uh, Joe Douglas coming across from the Eagles probably a little bit more meticulous in the way they've gone about their business but yeah, uh, they seem to love winning the off season, and um, we all know how that ends up. Um, the Raiders, I think, have done a bit of business that is quite interesting. I, I think we might come on and speak about Mariota, but bringing in people like Carl Nassib and uh, Corey Littleton, I think they're they're absolutely solid performers, and it's it's those kind of bits that you can do in free agency that could make a difference, you know, come the season, whenever that may be. And um, you know, I I think someone like Nassib is he's he's done pretty well at Tampa and um you know Tampa's not a very fashionable uh, football market but soon to soon to be a little bit different but and the guy Littleton he can run and um you know he might not be the biggest guy or hardest hitter but he covers the ground and I I think that's a a pretty decent pickup and you're just waiting to see the kind of output from this experiment with with Gruden and Mayock and yeah, they, I think that's they're fairly deliberate and they're not just throwing around the cash and you know, flush with cash and spending it. I think they're they're trying to get role players and yeah, let's yeah, um, they could be an interesting one to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean they're obviously moving to a new market and they've got a they've got to try and got to try and drum up some interest and sell some tickets if the season is actually going to go ahead and it's full, <laughs> in it's full capacity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's an interesting interesting one. The i of the Browns, I, you, you got to hand them. I think bringing in Jack Coughlin, I thought he's been a, he's been yep. a good player. Struggled with injuries the last couple of years, but as of many players seemed to pick up a three year thirty million deal, he was one of them. Um, Carl Joseph as well, who came over from the Raiders, um, was 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 a sign in which which seemed like high upside um, for a former first round pick. Again, he's just been injured. Big one actually stood out to me he was. Uh, was the jets and the amount of money they threw at, at their uh, at their line the, the lad fant from from uh, from seattle's not really not really done much in his career yeah. they've given him you know sort of starter level money for a guy who's who's a backup um and then obviously the signed um conor mcgovern over from uh f- f- from denver um so yeah, interest interesting one, and uh, in there and um, yeah, I think when you're when you're in we're in the position of teams that haven't been successful, you've got to try and um, you, you've got to try and solidify your roster and, and and fill role players and 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 reduce your need for for drafting um, for need because that's where it gets you into into uh, into trouble. But yeah, it was certainly a very uh, it was certainly a very Gruden esque. Um, Free agency, kind of more established, older vet players. How many of them last, lasted? Don't know, but not any kind of huge, huge deals that they've handed out. But obviously, we've kind of touched upon it. Um, the quarterback carousel seems to have kind of found its way. Bar one, uh, which will come on it, but um, yeah. we touched on, we touched on Rivers and the Colts, but Brady and the Bucks. One that's kind of close to your heart, and I think probably anybody who's disillusioned with their team, probably myself included, will be watching tample with interest if you what exactly even at the stage of his career does that do for the franchise and everybody around him
1: yeah it's I, 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 it's great for the marketing team um, and season ticket sales and all that kind of good stuff which is uh, obviously vitally important when it comes to Super Bowls and stuff like that in no way whatsoever but um, yeah I think I think Brady um, brings an attitude brings legitimacy really sort of brings an urgency with them that um and just that kind of winning attitude um but it, you know it, it does it smack of it just being too late uh I, I, the the things i jotted down here is that the bucks weren't a quarterback away from from winning the super bowl last year so getting brady on board this year doesn't mean that they're going to win the super bowl this year they've done well obviously to keep all the Shaq Barrett and i think JPP if he can stay healthy um You know that helps, but you know they they do not have a great offensive line. They've got Ali Marpet who is is okay, uh, but you're looking at your tackle position and there's nobody there really that you can hang your hat on. Um, Winston will forever have his detractors, but he managed to extend plays and um, keep plays alive in spite of what was going on at offensive line. Brady's not going to have that luxury. He's going to sit in that pocket. He's going to eat sacks. Um, if he has to that will mean less turnovers uh, but it will also cut down on the amount of ridiculous explosive plays Um, but yeah I think it's a move that they can make someone was going to take them I'm glad it wasn't uh, anyone else in the division but to be honest we've already touched on the Saints they're a sneaky good uh, free agency period they've got all they need really to, apart from the mentality, I think, and they've probably addressed that with a, a couple of leaders that they've brought in there, in, in Jenkins and Sanders. Um, they've got everything they need to win that division again. Panthers, goodness only knows what will happen with them. With Rule, they could be great. They could need a year's transition. Falcons lost a lot of close close games last year, so you know you've got you've got to win your division first, and then everything else follows that's going to be a challenge for for the Bucs and it's going to be a challenge for Brady because he's not used to losing his division. Um, So, yeah, let's wait and see what happens. Obviously, he's got, you know, a great receiver duo in Evans and Godwin. Let's see what happens with Howard. Uh, I don't think he's Aaron's favourite man. Cam Bray, it's reliable, not particularly spectacular. Again, very, very little in the run game. Um, People are trying to say that uh, Jones is... A, a, a really good running back he's yet to prove that and I'm uh, yet to be convinced so let's wait and see Brady doesn't make the, the Bucks a contender um, he makes them more interesting for sure um, and he's got the best receivers he's had in a while but he's he's 42 let's pump the brakes and let's see let's let him get acclimatised let, let's get him starting a game and um yeah, uh, I think it's great for the excitement. It's a, a fairly downtrodden franchise, so a wee bit of national interest, a couple of games in the you know, in prime time and all the rest of it, that'll help. But yeah, let's uh let's calm down on the Super Bowl predictions.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's, it's trying to it's trying, it's trying to get a balance, isn't it? You don't win anything in in March, but it's yeah. the antithesis of trading trading our man. Uh yeah. D Hop is getting in a, a quarterback who's got a proven record, and I don't know if there's something in the Peyton Manning folklore that he wants to emulate, and he sees that as a as a marker of true success. Obviously, an idol of his, Joe Montana, did it as well. Didn't have success right enough, but he moved. Brett Favre did it. Um, you know, there's been multiple quarterbacks that have that have moved in in, in the search for success to prove to themselves and prove to everybody else that's watching their whole career that it. It wasn't just Belichick. It wasn't just that system. It wasn't just McDaniels calling the plays. It was it was, you know, it was a it was a big number of, of, of things that this led to success. But they want to show that, you know, they were the biggest part of that and in in coming into a system like it is. Bruce Arians is a fun coach, but he also, you know, was attributed to much of the, the injury downfall Andrew Luck because his system was that was, was set up to stand and deliver and take it take it out in the pocket to find your target downfield. So He's not gonna have the luxury to do that with a 42 year old man who's, who's kind of lost some of his his pliability i don't think he was ever truly mobile but he's he's definitely <laughs> he's definitely still got some you know some awareness in the pocket that's the best and he's, he's you know probably one of the best to ever do it at the line and, and and set the team up right he was hugely frustrated with his receivers he won't be that this year um you know with Evans and Guzman and the slot and you know you say hopefully Howard can maybe realise his potential if he gets you know if he can find a way to to, to yeah. make it up to, to Arians so yeah it, it will be a, it will be really can they can they understand uh, you know what the what the what the perfect crossovers are between the system and what and what he does best and, and can they get that in time ready for a season that the off season might be limited um with all the stuff that's going on you know how, yes. how long will training camp be how many reps is he going to get with mike evans how many is he going to get um you know with uh with who you know with whoever else um that he's going to need to find that consistency can they have a mobile passing back out the backfield that's been a staple of that offense and a who's he's checked down uh, but yeah there's a long way to go yet but it's, it's going to be fresh and it's going to be how you know how clean can he stay in the pocket? Um, how well can that line protect him? But I I think that's not really much of an issue. Um, as some people tend to make out, just as it was with Peyton Manning, because they're so smart, they get the ball out quick, and there's nothing that slows an edge rusher more than a quick pass. And they're and they have uh, had to do that, you know, for the seventeenth time on that drive, and it's um, he's, he's got the potential to you know to make something happen. But yeah, it's strange to see a guy who's been a perennial winner at one team uh, go and do that and, and play another team it's not happened in the sort of 10 years I've been watching the league so uh, interesting times I think Um, for it and, and the division's going to be you know really interesting as well
1: yeah and I, th- I think talking about uh, Tampa Tampa sports in general I got a brilliant stat about um, Tom Brady and his uh, championship chops uh, in 20 professional seasons he has won uh, six Super Bowls and 17 division titles between the Bucks, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've had 93 combined seasons. They've won two titles and 12 division titles between them. That is just absolutely brilliant. That's that's ESPN given that. That's not from me doing my homework, but yeah. um, that you know it's an incredible level of winning over you know 20 years. It's it's brilliant consistency, and I think Belichick. was uh, you know he was very very keen to point out that that Brady was a real important part of setting up that Patriot way and you know complete buy in and trust and the process and all that kind of good stuff you know he's been a a very very good soldier to the Patriots for a long long time let's see how much he's got left
0: yeah no I think so it's um, it's it's a reset for everyone involved so how quickly can they piece it together I think and you know the the front of that defence was stout against the run and um, they've kept you know, predominantly all the pieces together. Pierre Paul comes back. Shaq Barrett gets the tag. Can he re- replicate that? So, yeah, I think it's a good, good, interesting time and a team that everybody will be looking for. Staying in the division, Terry Bridgewater. Um, he's never... Co- he, well, he filled in admirably for Drew Brees yep. and almost the team arguably looked worse under Drew Brees when he came back. Goes over to the Panthers as well. But as you said, you just don't know quite what they're going to do when you bring in a contract... Of a head coach for that length at that, that money, you know he's got time to do whatever the hell he wants and break this yeah. down and start again. But it doesn't quite seem like that. Um, he's definitely he's not looking to tank for for Trevor Lawrence or whoever it might be next season. Yeah. He looks like he's wanting to try and win games now.
1: Yeah, and it'll be an interesting one because you know they've 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 lost players in the last couple of years, and Cam Newton was that kind of continuity there. He's such a big personality. He's obviously been broken down by injuries in the last couple of years, but he was was so much of what the Panthers were that it will be really interesting to see what that that personality and identity is going forward. Bridgewater is a very different personality, I think it's fair to say. Um, As you say, as a quarterback... Is he more of a game manager? Well, it doesn't matter if you win games and he had a, a very good squad at New in New Orleans and he won the game. So good on him. Let's uh let's wait and see what he can do with the the Panthers. I think yeah I'll be interested to see what what you know complementary parts he's got around him. Um the skill positions there don't scream out to me. Um so I think there could be a lot more expected of him.
0: Yeah, and then, and I think yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because he's going to go in there. Is he necessarily gonna? He's got the money he wanted, and he, he's never really, you know, he, he was a, a rookie draft pick. Goes on a backup deal, um, after having that horrendous injury in in Minnesota, and when the team looked reasonably good, it was, albeit it was based around an Adrian Peterson run game, but he was a good player. So you know, interesting again to see how he goes. Uh, And one leaving the division uh, to go to Las Vegas again is uh, Marcus Mariota. I don't think anybody will argue that if he's short of talent, it's just kind of never quite piece it together. Various offensive coordinators, a lot of changes in front of him, obviously acrimoniously falls out. uh, And Tannehill's given a a huge deal, uh, you know, for less than one season of production in the league. Uh, But I think... Mariota, I think, odds on. I don't think Gruden likes Carr there. I think, you know, the guy who threw out the back of the end zone on a fourth down, um, famously last season. Yeah. Um, Super conservative. Mariota's probably not quite that. Um, But he's probably leaning towards that more modern style of quarterback that's continuing to be a mobile quarterback with fast receivers around him
1: and I, I think Gruden probably fancies him uh, a little bit in that Taysom Hill role where he's not going to be able to do as much as Hill because you won't want him in the firing line as much as him but having that kind of very different dimension of quarterback a, a, whether Carr survives the off season whether he's traded or whatnot, I'm not sure if he starts day one um, you know I think Mariota is, is someone that can just do very very different things to Derek Carr and I um, I think that I think that would excite someone like Gruden, who, you know, he's the the quarterback guru, isn't he? And he's always been seen that way. And to have someone with a very very different skill set, I think that that's a that's a really good thing for him to have to be able to, you know, game plan around. Maybe it's only twelve play, plays in a game. I don't know, but yeah, I think I think Gruden likes that idea of having something that's very very different. You see other teams that are. Um, you know, you go back to the Browns. You're going in for someone like uh, Case Keenum, who's quite similar in stature and play to Baker Mayfield. I think Gruden's saying, "Well, I'm going to go completely different, and I'm going to go let's let's have a very prototypical stand in the pocket, chuck it about, and then you are a very very mobile quarterback in Mariota. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on, um, how much he plays.
0: You know, the other one that that uh, again leaving the division. Jacksonville swallow a huge cat pit to get rid of him after you yeah. know, being in out of the team being injured uh, Nick Foles on to Chicago and potentially the end of Trubisky's ride there if he can beat him out
1: Yeah and I think that's a, a strange one nipping back into the Texans division I think uh, he, to hitch a wagon to Minshew is an interesting one I, I don't know what you made of him I think he's He's a wee bit more exciting than Foles. Um, probably a sexier choice, but Foles, yeah. If you if you give him the right setup, I think he can do just fine. Whether that's at the Bears or not, I'm not sure. Like I, like we mentioned earlier, they've been chucking the cash about this offseason. Um, but Foles has been he's been reasonable in a couple of spots. Um, he was nearly out of the league and nearly retired, but he came back and he was. He was dynamite after a couple of weeks for for the Eagles playoff run when they won the Super Bowl, and you know he, he got unlucky with injuries in Jacksonville. It seems as if they're giving up early on him, but they obviously think they've got the the QB one for the future going forward with Minshew.
0: Yeah, I, well, I, is it? I don't know. They dropped him last season, so they, at one point they mm-hmm. didn't they didn't feel that was the case they put him back in, and then Minshew didn't quite hit the heights that he did before yep. he got he, he got benched. So a lot of change in the division it would seem the Colts have had the best of it and the most or it looks like they've taken the most steps forward uh, I thought shipping out Jarrell Casey was interesting um, and yeah, yeah, the yeah. Titans uh, for a low round pick um, to Denver and then I think we sort of touched on it earlier but Vic Beasley gets a deal that didn't necessarily warrant his play but the, I've certainly seen some rumblings that when it's the same agency looks after the hierarchy in a building as the player these de- these deals seem to come about.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's paid like one of the very, very best. So he's gonna have to go some to to merit that.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, it's 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 a, it's you know it's it's a, an up to uh, up to a little teen million. Um, but it's, it's it's not necessarily a a, a breaking deal. But it's no, nowhere near. Uh, what, what is, what is, what is play, necessarily, necessarily granted? So yeah, I think it's been a funny off season. It's a strange uh time, really, in in the in the um, in the in the in the world of sport. Yeah. Partly because there is none. Um, but it it's uh it's a strange, and we've had sort of not again confirmation. It's been out late, but the the draft looks like it's it's going to be all but cancelled. Um in any format in vegas and it will be a kind of studio set up this year um where it will where there'll be nobody in the atten- table well, we knew there was no going to be nobody in attendance but it looks like it's going to be a, a very different process this year with it just basically being a live stream between players and the, the buildings of the
1: teams mm. And you know it's uh, the NFL does brilliantly to keep it front and center. And as you say, there's there's much more important things going on in life. And all the healthcare workers are doing a fantastic job um, keeping us all safe. And we've got to do the same. Um, but yeah, I think for things like the NFL, it's been a very happy diversion of and a very welcome relief from the the kind of the the real world. But. The draft comes at an unlucky time in the year because it's just not gonna. It's not gonna be what it was. I know you guys have had a brilliant time out in the draft before, and uh, you know I know you were very much looking forward to Vegas because I think it would have been absolutely brilliant, and I'm sure Vegas would have done it proud. But common sense has to prevail, and it's not going to be the spectacle. But you know, it's still going to change a lot of a lot of players' college players' lives, and um, yeah, it's it's a shame that it's got to be this way. But as you say, there's. Uh, the the real world goes on outside the NFL too well
0: there's there's an argument that anybody who's not a senior or even people are a senior who have let let or about to graduate should qualify for another year of eligibility because they don't have pro days they might not have been invited to the combine yeah uh and the and the way in which the draft, the, sorry not the draft but but the combine was 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 reengineered this year to have different times. The players were out there for hours, and a lot of the timings and the and the data points that teams have taken upon these players that they would ne- ne- normally get in a, in this process is not going to be there. Now I see I saw I saw a quote from somebody saying, you know, this will be the first time that actually we won't have paralysis by analysis by all these additional interviews and we'll just have Mm -hmm. to draft on tape um and i think that's maybe a good thing (laughs) for some for some players but i think anybody who's got the mildest red flag whether it be injury whether it be off field has got the chance to fall this year because they're just not going to have that same scrutiny that they've got they had less interviews in the combine um than, than they did in previous so that's reduced players can't come in for top 30 visits now this year so I think there's going you know, I think if you think you know where the board's going to fall for any team I think this year could be one of the years where it's the, the least predictable um, because the whole process is up in the air and I think as well from a from a league point of view and we're certainly not going to uh, worry about their revenues in, a, in the however many billion dollar businesses <laughs> is up to now but if you think of the scale in which they have put the draft to, and the way in which it built up in Nashville with X amount hundred thousand people, yeah. there, which I was at last year, it's gone. It's going to go from that to basically a digital experience. It's quite. It's quite something really. Just when you think of that alone and how much, it's all changing around us. And for these guys as well, who are going to lose millions of dollars out through no no fault
1: of their own. Yeah, and you you're bang on there. I think there's there are so many players that slide down draft boards because of character issues and it's those ones that you think well you've got no way to sort of talk around it fair enough you've got video conference and stuff like that but our our team's really willing to go off video conference and yeah someone like Tua obviously um, teams would have been pretty keen to see him do something um, and that's not going to be available so um, you know they'll always find a way around and you can always video record and all that kind of stuff but it's it's, it's tough and it's going to be very 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 different and um, yeah it's uh, as you say it's going to be a little even as a viewer experience which is what the NFL care about it's going to be very strange and a little bit disjointed and a bit dislocated I'm sure they'll still manage. And as you say, they'll uh, I'm sure they'll have a couple of hundred bills to dry their tears with too. Well
0: that's it, yeah. I think it's not gonna be I think you feel more for the players in the sense of yeah, you know, people that have come out of college early. And I think, you know, teams urge underclassmen not to come out, they continue to do it. The numbers of underclassmen that don't get drafted every year get yeah. higher. It could be an even bigger spike for these guys. So does, you know, sensibility potentially reign and allow them to do? It? I think it's probably less so with football, but if you think of college and March Madness, which was also in Vegas, uh-uh. is cancelled and all these guys who are, you know, in the midst of their senior year and probably potentially put the last game of that sport um for the rest of their lifetime at a level has been taken away from them. Um, as the world kind of grips down and tries to battle this this disease that we're all facing into, which is just a strange spot, and it puts um, it puts a lot of the stuff and the gripes about you know Texas front off office uh, mis mismanagement in a perspective. I think in many ways, um, but um but still, it's still it's still something that uh, it's still something that we're all dealing with, and um, and we'll continue to do it. Um, Mark, thanks very much for your time, mate. Very much appreciate. Good to kick uh-huh. a ball around uh, with you today. To, Talk, talk some free agency and uh, and pass some of these hours of uh, isolation <laughs> and gradual lockdown that we that we're all facing uh, in the UK. So um, thanks again everyone for listening. This is another episode of the Turn Up for What podcast. Please review and rate us. Download us from wherever you get your podcast from. Please leave us a review that allows other people to find the podcast. So wherever you're listening from, wherever you're downloading from. Thanks again for listening, and we are Texans. <laughs>